Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. You can personalize your hydration strategy today with electrolytes in different strengths to match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. And we're also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily is an all-in-one daily supplement with 75 vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and digestive enzymes. They're all whole food sourced ingredients, and listeners can get 20 free travel packs worth over £60 with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I hope you're all well and good. I hope all is well with you and yours. Um, We are living through extremely strange times at the moment with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, A lot of you will know we put out a special edition earlier in the week with some training advice for you on um, aimed at giving you a little bit of guidance. And I'd like to thank everybody who got in touch regarding that advice. It seems like um, a lot of other coaches are also sort of congregating around the same idea that we struck on, which was we really are in unprecedented times. And the best thing we can do is to say to everybody, let's protect your immune systems. Let's put the idea of racing onto a back burner for a minute. It might be that races go ahead this summer. I think that's looking increasingly unlikely. And what's most important is that we don't compromise ourselves and our immune systems um, by training excessively hard or excessively long, despite perhaps having lots of time and lots of mental energy and the need for it. But we we need to find some balance in our lives. So what I've decided I'm going to do is I'm going to play out that advice to you later on after this week's interview of the week. So if you've not heard that, you'll get a chance to hear it again after the interview of the week. The interview of the week this week is with Joe Skipper. Um, I caught up with him the day after Ironman New Zealand, actually, I got some some great chat with him. It was really good fun. Um, depending on how much of the ending of it I edit out, might depend on how much of a laugh you get to have. There's some stuff I should probably chop off the end, actually, to be fair, to not get Joe in trouble. Um, but yeah, so we caught up with him. Um, and some big news for Joe, based off that result, um, the PTO announced just yesterday, actually, as I'm recording this, that they are going to cancel the Collins Cup this year. They're paying out all of the prize money um, and more. They've added on $500,000, so it's a $2.5 million prize purse getting paid out to the pros, um, getting paid down to, um, do you know, I think it was either 50 deep or 100 deep on both the male and female side they upped the amount of money that even the lower ranked pros were going to get so all pros get a minimum of five thousand dollars which i know is going to go a long way to uh, to help alleviate some of their immediate financial worries in a climate where obviously a lot of them make their money by racing by either prize money or by getting bonuses in the race positions and it's looking increasingly like there's not going to be very much of any of that happening this year so uh, spare a thought for them Joe obviously managed to, to vault himself up the rankings into fifth place with his win at Ironman New Zealand. So that's going to be a great win for him. So obviously take our interview today in the context this was done a couple of weeks ago now. So some of the things we talk about involve him looking forward to racing at the Collins Cup and things like that, which obviously is not going to happen now. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing out the interview for you. But first up, I just want to give a big thank you to my two sponsors, who are you know standing by the show in this time of unprecedented who knows what's going on in the world so first up really want to thank precision hydration um these guys i think are going to be one of the places where you can go and bulk buy still i think if you're going to be indoors and doing a lot of training 
probably not a stupid idea to put a big order of precision hydration in because you're going to be needing to replace those electrolytes if you're inside on the turbo or the treadmill um, every day for what's looking like could be, who knows, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. So get an order into them. They've got electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. So you can make sure you've taken care of rebalancing those electrolytes after being inside in the, the heat on the turbo or the heat on the treadmill and obviously sweating a bit more in terms of volume than you usually would do even with a fan on. If you're not sure and you haven't used them before, you can use the code um, OxygenAddict15 to get 15% off your first order. And also go to their website, precisionhydration.com, and take their online sweat test. That'll give you a really good lead as to what strength of electrolytes is recommended for you. Okay, so go over and support those guys. Also, also, big thanks to Athletic Greens. Now, as I mentioned in the last couple of episodes, um, I've been using Athletic Greens since about January, and um, they they might just be one of the, the great supplements to be taken at the moment. One scoop of Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily will deliver adaptogens, antioxidants, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and the superfood complex that will just help support your body's nutritional needs and critical areas of health, including energy, immunity, digestion, and recovery. Um, I think it's great to be looking around and looking at extra stuff you can take to support your immune system at this time. I certainly felt great or I felt much better since being on the period of taking athletic greens. There's other stuff you can look at, like vitamin D, but I think they have got, you know, probably the most comprehensive formula out there so if you want to give it a try go to athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict and you can claim a special off today which is 20 free extra travel packs with your first purchase so again that's athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict all right then so we'll head on over to today's interview of the week with joe skipper joe skipper welcome onto the show and congratulations champ ironman new zealand champion and course record holder that's got to sound pretty good right now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does, Rob. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Did you have a good day out there then, pal? Yeah, yeah. All went to, all went to plan, really. Um, had a decent swim. Um, was, it was a pretty good swim. I, I had to have my um, suit done up underneath my uh, wetsuit because I had a few problems with the zip um, before my last race. So the, the swim felt good, but it was just hard to breathe. You can imagine, like, oh, with a yeah. tight suit underneath your wetsuit. Um, so other than that, like, that was the only thing that, like, held me back a bit during the day. I was, I think I could have gone quicker in the swim. Uh, the bike was good. Um, I managed to ride with um, a Swiss guy called Philip Kootenay, who's a really strong uh, guy. And we, we rode together, literally the whole thing, just taking it in turns, um, kind of like, you know, 12 metres away from each other. But, I mean... For people who don't know, you still get a bit of an aerodynamic saving, even if you're 12 meters, like maybe 15, 20 watts, something like that, you know, or 10, 20 watts, um, which is a decent amount, you know, over the course of four and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but for the first lap, we didn't make any inroads into the guys up ahead. So we were going really hard. Um, and then we got into town after 90 Ks and I could see we'd only taken about a minute out of them. So we just had to keep going really like, you know, basically flat out on the bike all day. Um to hope for the best and then, uh, you know, cross your fingers almost and uh, see if you've got the run legs once you get onto the run. So who did you have up the road in front of you at the start of the bike then? Did you have, would it have been Mike Phillips, Braden Curry? Who else would yeah, have been Dylan there? Yeah, Dylan was first out the, Dylan was first out the water. Dylan was there, was he? Um, okay. And uh, Mark Bosted, he had a great race. Uh, probably one of his best ever races, I would say, in an Ironman. Yeah, he went well, didn't he? He's he sure he's had that lead. Just ahead of us. 
Yeah, they were the main guys. I think like Mike, Mike's brother, who was doing his first race as well. Mark Boaster, Dylan McNeese and Braden Curry. They were the guys that were there after the first lap. Were you surprised that you, you guys didn't take more time out of them over that first 90K then? Yeah, yeah, really surprised because we were going really hard. Um, so I, I was amazed because I was, I was expecting to catch them pretty soon. Like going off what previous years, I thought 50K, you know, I thought I'd get to the turnaround in Reaparoa. Uh, which is after 45 kilometers and I'd see them and I'd either be with them or they might be about a minute, maybe a minute and a half ahead and I'd catch them a little bit later, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, that you know, we were riding well above course record pace for the first lap and we still didn't really take much out of them. So I was super surprised by that. Um, but then in the second lap, the wheels started to fall off and they all came back one by one. So was that a case of you guys were you were holding pace throughout the second half of the ride, do you think? It kind of, like, we were still holding good power and they started to fade a bit. And uh, that was that was what kind of made the difference. Yeah, I'm looking at the splits and thinking if, if they stayed ahead of you for over the first 90k, the wheels must really have come off, mustn't it, for them over the, over the second 90k? Yeah, massively. And, once, and also, I think it helped them when they're all in when they're in like a little bit of a group because you get a bit of motivation being with everyone but then gradually as one one by one they all start falling off their motiva- motivation dwindles a bit and probably when you feel the effort a lot more when you're by yourself you know when they're in the lead group and they they feel like they're at the front of the race and everything's going fine they probably feel really good but then once the wheels start going off and they're you know so they get dropped all of a sudden they probably feel the effort of what they've done they notice the crosswinds a lot more on the course and everything starts to feel horrible, and uh, then it just spirals, doesn't it? You know, once you go through a dark patch, if you're feeling negative thoughts, then everything seems to uh, be a little bit worse than what it actually is. Now, you and uh, you and Philip rode four thirteen on that course, which I think was less than a minute outside of Starkey's course record on the bike. Were you expecting to go so fast? Yeah, I thought I would go around uh, course record pace on the bike um, because I've been feeling good and I've seen what I've done in other races on, you know, um, on the bike, what I'm on and stuff like that. So I thought I'd be minimum 4.15, maximum around 4.9, 4.10. You know, I thought it'd be somewhere around that and it was right bang in the middle. So I was, I, I thought that was uh, definitely doable. Okay. And I don't know very much about Philip Kootenay. What's, uh, what's he like as a, as an athlete and a guy? Well, he was top 10 in Kona. Um, and in Frankfurt, he was third off the bike last year behind, like, uh, Fredino and uh, Keenly. Okay, um, he's right. Just a, he's, I, I'm not sure how old he is, but I, he's really come on in the last few years. So I don't know if he's, like, you know, in his 30s or if he is a younger guy, but he's really come on to the, come onto the scene in the last year, 18 months. And I think this year, this year, you might see a lot more of him. Like, if he does Frankfurt, potentially he could... Uh, win it you know uh, this year looking at uh, look at who's entered and if he improves a bit on last year but he's a very strong he's a, he's a strong swimmer um, and a really strong cyclist and then to be fair to him I think his run is his weakness at the moment I mean he's still a decent runner but if you look at how strong he is on the bike it's his run that holds him back you know if he can run if he can get down to running 245s off, off the bike then you'll uh, definitely see him uh, on the podium at pretty much every race and like competing for the winner at a lot of races 
Now I was watching. Uh, I watched the Facebook Live footage and and noticed there was you know, there was a bit of sort of chat from you to the camera and stuff. Were you managing to get any splits about the guys up ahead, and were you managing to chat with Philip on the road oh. and work out who was riding? I was asking him for splits, but they just wouldn't give you any. Really, it's a nightmare. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's all the time. Like they just don't give splits, and when you're there at a race by yourself. You literally have no idea what's going going on behind. You know, it'd just be so handy if you could even just get like a blackboard, or if they could just give you an idea of what's going on. Because you know, you don't know if you've got if you've dropped them and got one minute gap on them, or if you're actually pulling away or making any headway. You know, um, so you literally don't have the foggiest of like where you are in the race, what's going on, and obviously people on the side of the road can't really give you a split when you're just taking the lead, unless they're on the tracker and they're quite experienced, you know, and they kind of know what they're doing. But generally. They'll just give the next people the split, won't they? Because they'll probably time it on their watch or something like that, you know. Um, so you don't have any idea what's going on behind you, whether or not people have got dropped, if they're, like, coming after you, if they're, you know, nothing. Uh, and I thought they must know the TV crew will be able to get something because they're all wired up, aren't they? You know, with, like, you can see it with, like, earphones in and you're probably getting feedback from the people down on the ground at the, at the headquarters. So I just tried to get a split off them. But, I mean, I don't know if they do know and they don't want to tell you or if they don't have any idea. You just weren't getting anything, hey? <laughs> you can't get, can't get anything out of them. They've got a good poker face. <laughs> so what point were you at? Obviously, you get off the bike with Philip. Um, what point was it on the run when you started to get any kind of numbers about how far ahead you were? Um. So basically, when you come out of transition, you do a little bit of a dog leg, which is what you do at the end of each lap on the run, uh, which is really handy because obviously I knew the course um, from doing it the past few years. So I knew I would be able to get it. I thought, to be honest, that they might be coming into transition when I was coming out. and So I was trying to listen to the announcer and I had an idea. I thought that would probably be about two minutes, you know, if they were then coming in. Um, and I didn't hear them when I was running out. This is brilliant. Then nice. I started timing it uh, as soon as I ran out the tent. And I think I saw Mike when I was about two minutes into the run. And, I, you know, I saw him then riding into transition. So I thought, wow, I've got about four minutes, maybe just over four minute lead. Um, and then at the end of the first lap, I was really, uh, well, actually, there's a little bit of a, a loop what you do at the end. And I timed the loop and it was about three and a half minutes four minutes and um i don't think i saw mike or if i did i think i saw him coming up towards the loop so it was around four and a half minutes and then i saw him at the finish line again uh, and i could get a good time split and uh, people were giving me splits as well so i saw that i had a bit of a buffer and obviously i could uh, see phil as well but I, I just had really good legs at the start of the run like they felt really good so i managed to put in a get a bit of a lead on philip kootenay um and then because i felt quite good i was quite confident that I, I wouldn't blow up because once you get to a certain gap, you can kind of knock it down a bit and run it in at your own pace. Can't you, you know, you're not forced to run too hard. So, um, after the first lap or not the first lap, I thought I need to just do two solid laps. And if I've got a, a decent buffer starting the last lap, then I should be okay because I, the, I don't need to like be on the point of smashing it where I'm going to risk blowing up. You know, I can run 10 seconds a kilometer slower, which is quite a lot. You know, if you're, you know, it feels a lot more comfortable running 10, 15 seconds a kilometre slower. And then you can get food in, you can get the nutrition, and you're probably not going to blow up if you do it that way. And I knew from, like, the mat doing the maths, you know, I had six minutes starting the last lap. So I was like, 14Ks, I can lose 
25 seconds a kilometre to hit to, um, to uh, Mike. And then falling away up until we're already running, say, three or four seconds a kilometre faster than him anyway. So if I slow down by 20 seconds a kilometre, I should be fine. And then, and then he would have to speed, like, not slow down as well in the last lap to, to catch me. Um, so you kind of try and do the maths a bit in your, in your head while you run along. Yeah, it puts you in a puts you in a very different position, I think, mentally, doesn't it? When you're you're running out there in front and you know you've got time to burn, rather than very often with you, we've seen you. Well, I would you actually know. prefer chasing. That's I what I was going to ask you. <laughs> I think it's that's that's what gets the I best out of you, isn't it? It's so much easier for people than actually leading, because when you're leading, you don't get as many time splits and you don't know what's going on behind. You don't know if they've got a second wind and they're pushing it. You know, whereas when you're chasing you're getting time splits all the time from people and you kind of think at the front he's got he's doing whatever he can but it's up to you and you know it's it's kind of like the destiny's in your own hands you know whether or not you can catch them but if you don't catch them you haven't lost anything whereas when you're at the front it's like it feels like everything's there to lose it's like you know you were almost like so close yet so far if you get caught um so i would much prefer catching the lead on the last lap and it away. <laughs> Because I think it's a lot. I think it's not as painful. I uh, I think you've got to get used to it, Joe. That's two races now, isn't it? There's there's this one. There's Florida where you've been out in front. I think it's it's really good for you to learn to race from the front because there's going to be more of this in your future. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, uh, in Florida, I did catch Stark at 17 miles though. But Ben Hoffman was uh, chasing me down, wasn't he? Yeah, um, you had him chasing you for the last but, sort of nine miles, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see him, to be fair, the whole time. And I, the way he was catching me at the start, the first lap, I thought Laura had given me a dodgy timing split um, because I, was run, I wasn't running too bad. But he took about three minutes out of me in about 10, 10K, I think. And I was running like six-minute mile. And said, God, he must have done the first 10K in under 35 minutes. He was flying that day. But so were you, mate, to give you both your due. You, you two had two of the best performances of that year in the same race and like it was great to see you take the win but you did feel a bit bad for Ben to go so well and, and not even manage to get the win yeah you wouldn't want to run a 236 and come runner up would you <laughs> I wouldn't mind if it was me to be honest <laughs> so let's uh, let's go back to New Zealand for a minute obviously you've you've done this race a few times now is it three or four times you've done Ironman New Zealand that was my third time third time it's obviously a race that's got massive history you know it goes back to way back in the day is it a big deal for you to not only have won it but also have broken the course record with you know some of the amazing athletes who've raced and won and held the course record in the past yeah definitely like that's uh, uh awesome to do that but because like you say all the athletes that have done it cam brown he's done it new so many times and He's been second at Kona, so he's not, you know, he's a really top top athlete. So to be able to get a course record on a on a course that he's done so many times, and uh, the athlete he was, and also Terenzo as well. I mean, Terenzo got the course record last time when I raced it, and he's a fantastic athlete uh, as well. He's won so many races, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing to to be able to get get a record on a course that has had such a, a strong field, race it so many times. Um, and to go under eight hours as well on there because up until Terenzo did it I don't think people really thought that it was a course where you could go under eight hours because I remember when he did that everyone was amazed that someone yeah. could 
could do that course in under eight hours. So to do to be able to go under eight hours as well on that course, I'm I'm really pleased about. It it really is an amazing. I mean, when you look back over that, I've got I've called up uh, Torsten's site here in front of me, and and bar like 2016 when Cam Brown actually Cam Brown himself did it, he went eight oh seven. But historically, the winning times were they were like you know eight seventeen, eight twenty, eight thirty. And then all of a sudden, it jumped to eight oh seven. When you said, yeah, when you said he went eight oh seven in 2016, that was a new course record when yeah. he beat me and I got second. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. So did you get a chance to so chat yeah, with him after was... the race? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I chat to Cameron, like, quite a lot. Like, so even before the race, I, I had spoken to him and stuff. He's a really nice guy. Um, so, yeah, I talked to him quite a bit. We, we all went, like, I mean, Cameron wasn't there after the race, but we went out and had a few drinks after the race. Um, but, yeah, them Kiwis, can, they, they can drink, I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> they race fast, but they drink harder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't imagine anything worse than going out on the beer when you're trying to recover from an Ironman. Joe, you're an absolute animal. 8% beers, and they were giving you them as fast or as fast than you could drink them. And then to make matters worse, I had to pack up two bike boxes in the morning before uh, I left and all my stuff. I had about two and a half hours to, do to, to, to get into Auckland in time. It was horrendous. Oh, and death warmed up. Stinking hangover as well as oh, mate, I feel for you. I didn't actually have too much of a hangover. I woke up. I had a lot of water before I went to sleep, and uh, woke up in the night and uh, just smashed a couple of electrolyte tablets, and uh, that was all right. But it was uh, I was I, I did I felt a bit delicate. <laughs> all right, so listen, I've got to ask you this regarding sort of performances and stuff in the future. If you can go. As fast as you have, I've just missed the page. It was eight fifty six. You went or eight fifty eight fifty. Sorry, seven fifty four. Seven fifty four. I get this right because so, you've gone. Yeah, you've gone yeah. Let's get this right, Joe. Seven fifty four yeah. on that course. How do you? I mean, first up, New Zealand has always been renowned for being a slow bike course, not in terms of like difficulty of terrain necessarily, but just in terms of like chip sealed roads and it not being a fast surface. What do you think has been the breakthrough factor in managing to go so much faster there? Well, firstly, just the standards going up all the time and the way that people race the races now, you know, like you and me and Phil, as I was saying before, had to go really hard just to try and catch the others. Um, whereas in the past, I think pace lines have formed and people have been a bit more, you know, laid back on the bike. They've kind of just gone with the flow and not really pushed it hard. But now, people are racing it differently and it's more tactical you know like mike phillips hadn't done a massive amount of running before the race um so he knew that he wanted to get a bit of a uh, a buffer on Braden. we all knew Braden was in good form because he hadn't had a great race in wanaka um and you never know with Braden how he's going to run in an ironman like i think he's the kind of guy that if he's there at the front he's got a sniff of the win he can really push himself you know hard and do and do a really good run so First of all, the tactics for, for me and Mike and Mike and everyone who wanted to win meant we had to go hard on the bike. Like yeah. me, because I was chasing a bit off, out of the water. Mike, because he wanted a buffer starting the run, because he wouldn't have been, although he had a good run, he wouldn't have been 100% confident in his, in his run leading into the race. Um, so that, first of all. And then I think Pete, the standards have just been going up all the time. Everyone's getting a bit faster because... It seems like when you get people that do breakthrough performances, 
uh, everyone kind of thinks, oh, right, so that's the level now. And then I don't, it must be psychological because it can't just be, you know, physical because the athletes probably aren't any better physically than what they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. But I think knowing when you see someone else do a good performance, it can give you the self-belief that that's possible. And yeah. you just believe in yourself. So you push it a bit harder or you just do a, do a better performance. So I think that's another reason. And then also the technology, you know, bikes again, faster aerodynamics, um, that makes a difference. Um, training for the Ironman before in the past, you know, people would do a lot of slow stuff. Whereas uh, now everyone's, you know, the races, the runs are a lot faster. People are training, you know, differently, I think, for, the, for, for Ironmans. Um, which is taking them up to another performance level as well. Just, I think there's probably so many different factors. What are some of the sessions you did in the lead up to this that you uh, that kind of stand out in your mind? Because I love hearing about your uh, your your training sessions are getting pretty legendary. Um, well, my favourite is always like three five k's uh, off the bike. Uh, I quite like that. That's uh, that's quite a favourite of mine, and you, you run them above race pace with job recovery. And so then, what uh, kind of pace are you knocking those out at then? Um, well, I did it in Norwich before I left New Zealand and I did 16.50 for the first two and 16.40 for the third. Wow. Um, and that was off a, that was off a 90 mile, 90 mile bike. And then the recovery is at like four minute to four and a half minute K pace. So, you know, you're not like standing still for three minutes. You're still jogging. And that was what gave me good confidence leading into the race when I did that session. Um, so that's probably one of my key ones because I feel like if you can do that, then, you know, that puts you in good stead. But other than that, it's just pretty standard the training, you know, getting your long rides in, steady runs, uh, track session once a week. Um, pretty pretty standard stuff, really. There's nothing that's uh, that OTT uh, in there. But I think it's just consistently backing it up, you know, week in, week out. Is, has there been a has there been a breakthrough moment for you? You mentioned a moment ago where you said, um, you know, other athletes go fast and you think you can go fast as well. Can you put your finger on a moment where you saw somebody go fast and thought, right, well, if he can do that, I can do that as well. Was the was the one instance of that that stands out in your mind? Um, well. You, you, you know what I'm like, Rob. Uh, I don't really lack self 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 confidence, uh, so I've always <laughs> kind of thought I could do it. Uh, it's just been a matter of actually managing to to execute it. But I know with other people, like they, you know, when you train people. But I think it might be a bit more different to me because I don't really train with that many other long distance pros, so it's a bit different. But I think if you train with, like, if I was to train in a group where there are other long distance pros. And one of the guys in the group did a really good performance. Then that would make me think, well, I'm training with him and I'm doing the same paces as him. Then if he's done it, then I can. But because I don't really train with other people like that in the group, then um, I never really see it myself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I'm just training with like normal guys, like age groupers. And when I'm in Nottingham, I'm training with like some of the guys that are doing short distance. So I don't really, I'm not really in a group where I'm, training with other long distance guys like a lot of other people are you know they train in hubs then they like Girona or somewhere like that so but it would give me if I was to train with that but then I, I see it in different ways because I see some of the guys who I train with do 
good performances in, in other races and uh, they, that kind of gives you confidence and think, wow, wow, if he's just done that, he's running well and I'm training with him, so then I must be in good shape. Um, Is it something you've considered? Because I, I don't think I got to ask you last time. I saw um, some photos of you training with Sebi Keenley on Maui before the race in, um, in Kona this year. What was the experience like training with him? Uh, it's good, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I did about three or four days with them, and then after that, I, uh, I I think they were a bit upset, and they didn't want me to come. I didn't get the invite to come back. Is that uh, right? But yeah, it was good while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you did you have that sense of obviously about five days? Well, Sebi's obviously like a bit of a, a bit of a legend, isn't he? Did you? And I, and I'm imagining. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. There aren't many, maybe many, many guys who you look up to in the sport in terms of, well, he's at that level and I'm not quite sure I am. Like you've said, you've, you're very full of self-confidence, which is great. Was Sebi one of those guys that you looked at and thought, oh, I'd love to train with him and like see where the standard's at? Um, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, like I thought it would be interesting, but um, I, I just like training with people, no matter, like, no matter who they are, you know, um, but they, they were in their kind of like little group with their coach and uh, I think they were all happy at the start to do it, but then uh, I, I think there's kind of like a bit of a pecking order and uh, they don't like it when a new person comes in and kind of uh, gets uh, stuck in and maybe they they were going to train me to uh, the couple of that I was joining the sessions might end up an athletes, I know, but uh, ended up training with uh, a Swiss age group in the end out with Maui and we had a great time um like you know got on really well but i think some people they get a bit self-conscious that they're self-conscious that they lack a bit of like self-confidence leading into races and i don't know maybe like if uh they, if he has a session and uh he's not leading it maybe that that plays on his mind i mean i don't read too much into it like if i do a session and i have a bad day then i you know that's life like i don't think anyone goes to work do their a great day at work every day of the week but just because you have one bad day doesn't mean that you're um, a bad worker you know or you're bad at your job yeah, well, maybe that was it. Maybe you come into their group and maybe you're actually worrying the worrying the big dog in the run up to Kona. <laughs> yeah, he thought like if he if he was uh, if 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 I was like doing what I was doing and he was able to win it, and uh, you know what I seemed like in training was you know when he saw what I was like in training, he probably doubted himself. Um, well, it's one of the same story. It's a similar story that David McNamee told, wasn't it? That. He had a great time training with Jan Fredino, but then when he finished third at Kona, Jan didn't want to train with him anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it is actually. Um, yeah. I mean, some people are like that, I think. But I, I don't know the full reason. It'd be interesting to, to know. Maybe you'll have to get him on the podcast. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to tweet him for me. I've been trying to get Sebi on for ages. He won't reply. <laughs> He, he won't reply, mate. He doesn't reply to me. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Next thing. Let's talk about the effect that your race is going to have. We stir things up too much. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, man, it's not stirring anything if I can't get a reply out, guy. So <clears throat> the next thing is the, the pro triathlon. <laughs> the, the PTO World Rankings, right? PTO Collins Cup coming up. Big money race. Um, 
points awarded on the basis of going fast relative to the course. I haven't seen it updated yet. I've just pulled it up on the screen and they haven't updated the race after New Zealand. But you must have scored a rack load of points breaking the course record at New Zealand. And it's got to put you right up there in terms of getting selected for the uh, for the European team. What are your thoughts on racing Collins Cup? Oh, mate, I really want to race it. And that was one of the reasons why I went to see New Zealand to get some points on the board as well. Um, so, yeah, like... I really hope I have got enough points and, and um, I'm kind of like thinking, oh, what do I do if I haven't? Should I do another race? And then it's kind of you like looking at the calendar, seeing what's there. Because the thing is for me, I'll get a load of points for this, but then I'm going to get a 10%, 10% deduction on one of my races because it will fall out of the 12-month period by the time the race comes around. But I'd love to race at Collins Cup if I can, if I, can and I get if I have the points to race it. Um, but I'm in the same boat as you, whereas I'm not sure how many if I'm, like where I'll be on the standings after this, I've just got to see um, where I am and how close it is. But yeah, I'm eager to see where I am in the standings and uh, whether or not I've got a chance of uh, being able to compete there. Who would you like to draw in your race at the Collins Cup? Let's say you get selected. Who would who would the ultimate race be for you over the, the half distance? I think Lionel Sanders. Well, Lionel Sanders would be a good one um, because tactically as well, there's finding people that would race similar kind of to me, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, swim wise, both be fairly similar bike. We could be fairly similar. And then on the run, I mean, in a half, obviously Lionel's proven at half like his standard and I'm kind of not proven in a, in a half, but I think racing him. And if I, I would obviously be going in there really want to do a good performance because I don't want to look terrible. And I want to do myself justice. If I race the Collins cup as well, you know, it's not, I don't just want to turn up and, be a part of it. I want to do do well. So I think Lionel would be a good one for me because of the way he races and the way I race, I think it would help me get the better, get more out of myself. Um, that'd be a great race. Sure. I would love to see that you and him side by yeah, side, be, like when he was at Daytona. Yeah, it'd be really good. And I think it could come down to, you know, to, to the, to the wire kind of thing, which would be really exciting as well. And good for, you know, people that are watching it. And then, from the international one, I'm not too sure. Cameron Worth, that would be good as well to have him in there. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good match, a wouldn't points, it? Yeah, me, Cameron and Lionel. I think that'd be quite, I'd love to be a part of that. I think that would be really fun. Oh, do you know what the mistake we've made though? Lionel's in the internationals as well. You need an American to race against because both Cam and Lionel count oh, as yeah, internationals because cool. he's Canadian. Oh, um, maybe start. Ooh, good call. That would be interesting. Wouldn't it? You would be going ahead at this. He'd probably pull away, away from us on the swim. Then it would be either me and, me and Lionel or me and Cam, like, were kind of like trying to claw back time or not lose t- too much time to him on the run. And then it would come down to the run. He's got the legs on the run. And, um, you know, at the end, we know whether or not we can catch Starkey. Had we caught him on the bike, has he still got a buffer? And Starkey's a very good runner in a half, you know. Like, the Starkey you see in, in half Ironmans does run pretty yeah. good you know he can shift when he when he wants to so it would be uh, yeah it would be a good race and i think it would be exciting as well i think that's like when you do the draw you need to make sure the races are exciting because you want to make it good on tv it doesn't you know if there's if, if there's not really the good race dynamic side to side it won't have the appeal it needs so i think that would be a good that would be a good race for me to to be involved in yeah that'd be awesome all right and last question then um i've seen your name down to race challenge roth later in the year 
is it time for Joe Skipper to stand on the top podium at Roth? Oh, definitely. That's my that is my next big aim is to try and win challenge and challenge Roth. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be training with now. And um, obviously, I'm going to go there with, to aim for the win because I've been second there twice. And I think the race suits me a lot more than some of the others. You know, the weather in Roth is way kinder for me than Kona. And it, because it gets a really stacked field, I'm really looking forward to it. And this year, I think, is probably one of the strongest fields that they've ever had, arguably, in Roth. I mean, yeah. you've got the top three male podium in Kona. You've got Cameron Worth, I think, who's going to race it, who was yep. fifth. Um, fourth place, uh, Ben Hoffman's not there. But I'm there in six. And I think there was at least another one or two others in the top ten that are racing there. So, plus a load of other decent guys. So, I think the race is going to be absolutely stacked. And arguably... To, if you can win Roth, then you're really a contender for Kona, aren't you? I mean, Jan's racing and the whole podium's there. So it's a great test and it should, hopefully it should get the best out of all of us on the day and um, it'd be a really good race. But yeah, that is my next big goal. Ideally, I'd like to do the Collins Cup and then, uh, go, and then go into Roth. The timing works perfectly. Um, so yeah, I, I really want to have a great performance in Roth and that is what I'm going to be focusing on and you know all my training is going to be geared up towards that awesome stuff man all right well listen i know you've got to pack and get your stuff ready to get on the plane man you've squeezed this I'm in about to do a bungee jump you're about to do what about to do a bungee jump <laughs> a bungee jump half an hour the sky bungee jump in auckland i'm literally now going over there like up that... this that is brilliant. I've got an hour and a half before my shuttle comes, so I've got to quickly fit in a bungee jump, and then uh, then I'm off. Oh, mate, I love it. You are living life to the max, Joe Skipper. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Thanks. Hey, well, listen, man, it's great as always to have you on the show. It's great to catch up, and congratulations on winning an iconic race like uh, like Ironman New Zealand and being the new course record holder. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year holds for you. Thanks, mate cracking interview with joe there and i always i always have so much fun when i talk to joe i always have a real laugh so i hope that came across great for him to race so well down in new zealand and uh, i'm delighted that he's done so well and pushed himself up the pto rankings with that race win um so next thing then i said at the start of the show i would replay out the training advice so again i'm just gonna i'm gonna um hedge this ahead of time by saying it seems like no expert really at the moment knows what is going on or what's best. And I think while it's very tempting to say, use all the extra time that you've got to do extra training, you know, train as though your race is going to happen. I don't think that's the best advice in this situation, whether races are on or not. I think we have to be very mindful that either very hard sessions or excessively long sessions are going to compromise our immune system according to the research. So let's limit those sessions to an hour a day. You'll hear all of the, you know, the theory behind the 60-60-60 plan uh, coming up on this. But yeah, have a listen. We've about a 10 or 12 minute segment on training here. Um, if you've heard it before, I think it'd be great to have it reiterated to you and just really focus in on what's important. It's keeping your immune system strong to minimize your risk of infection and to therefore minimize the risk of passing that infection on to any of your loved ones. So a bit of context here for you. Obviously, long-time listeners of the show will know that I have a particular training methodology that I adhere to, and it's always been, we'll do our high-intensity training on the bike, we'll do steady running, and we'll do a mix of specific drills and speed work in the swim. 
the key thing there is there's there's a mix of high intensity work and low intensity work and over the last week i became gradually more and more aware and more and more uncomfortable that i wanted to make sure that the advice i was giving to my athletes was not going to compromise them in any way and i was very lucky that in my early days as a coach in one of the coach education sessions i was in one of the older coach tutors said that the guiding principle he worked by was the same that doctors do, which is the principle at first, do no harm. And that always stuck with me as the most important thing in coaching. If I'm wondering whether to give an athlete a harder or easier session, they'll get an easier one because I want to make sure we stay this side of injury. And again, long-term listeners will know that that's been my approach to trying to keep you free from running injuries and things like that. So I started thinking, is there any evidence out there? What can we find out? Which, which experts could we talk to to find out about possible impact of the kind of triathlon training we do on an athlete's immune system is it okay to just keep on training normally or is there a danger that doing either high intensity training or that doing very long duration training is going to somehow negatively impact our immune systems because my guiding principle here is i always felt that doing some training would make your immune system stronger but i've experienced in myself and in other athletes that some of the sessions that we do can leave you completely wiped out afterwards so i reached out on twitter and some of you will have seen this i reached out to some of the leading sports scientists that i know and that i know of i talked to dr richard ferguson at loughborough university i talked to dr simon marwood at liverpool hope i talked to stephen seiler um dr stephen seiler and amongst other people who who pointed me in the direction, interestingly, of the same kind of studies, two or three of the same studies that came up time and time again. And we'll talk about those a little bit more later on. We ended up looking a lot at the work of somebody called David Nyman and Laurel Wentz. Um, and I'm going to give you the, the advice that I've, I kind of read, I, I simulated it in my brain and I thought, right, I have to do something very, very different for my athletes training to help keep them safe in this time when we're trying to prevent the spread of a highly communicable disease. Okay, so headline figure is that very... Well, first up, if you compare yourself to an average sedentary person who does no activity, there is evidence that doing some amount of moderate intensity exercise is actually going to improve your immune system. Okay, so it's like a J curve. If we start off on the left-hand side of the J, the person here on the left does no exercise and has what we'll say average immunity. As we do some amount of moderate exercise, what we find is that our immune system actually gets stronger. But then as we do more and more exercise or we do higher and higher intensity exercise, this J continues on to the right and upwards. And what we find is beyond a certain point, our immune system is more compromised than it would be if we did nothing at all. And my driving philosophy behind talking to you today and helping with my athletes is for the next week, two weeks, three weeks, until we get a lay of the land of how things are going to go in society, I want there to be absolutely no doubt that we're doing the things to support people's health first and put fitness to one side. Okay. So the study from, I'll, I'll tell you this, it'll be in the show notes. It's from the Journal of Sport and Health Science, Volume 8, Issue 3, May 2019. And the study is called The Compelling Link Between Physical Activity and the Body's Defense System. Again, go and check this out through the link in the show notes. You'll see this very clear J curve. And fortunately for us, 
the articles are very well written. I've seen other articles by Nyman who has, who's given us a set of guidelines to work from. So we'll, we'll talk to you about those here. Nyman puts forward what he calls the 60-60-60 training strategy. Now, this is aimed at runners. And for runners, he says, we do a maximum of 60 minutes of running per day, a maximum of 60% of VO2 max, and a maximum of 60 miles a week to optimally to optimally support somebody's immune system beyond any of those limits. So more than 60 minutes of exercise a day, higher than 60% of VO2 max and more than a maximum of 60 miles a week. So think of that as around seven ish hours of exercise. Our immune system is going to become gradually more and more compromised. Okay. So I've adapted this for multi-sport. So again, hands in the air that we are making we are making our own judgments about this as we go forward and i'm not a world expert but i've i've adjusted this for i've adjusted this for multi-sport to say we're going to have a maximum of 75 percent of ftp or if you like the top of zone two heart rate with running we're going to cap ourselves at e-pace so again it's kind of that zone two kind of heart rate. So for most of you, that'll be usual. And we're going to have a maximum of 60 minutes per day of exercise. So we're not going to do, we're not going to do any long sessions longer than 60 minutes at all. And I recognize that is a massive shift for most of us. So these guidelines are for how do I most, how do I best um, support and support my immune system and prevent it from getting run down. And by that, what I'm thinking is, is if we can get you doing enough exercise to stay mentally healthy, if we can do enough exercise to promote our immune system, but not decrease it in any way, that's got to be a good thing. So with all of my athletes, I've adapted their plans now. So they've only got sessions that follow those guidelines. We've got a maximum of sort of seven hours of training a week, a maximum of 60 minutes a day, no high intensity work at all. And the other change we've made is we're going to schedule this in three week blocks. So two weeks of, if you like, standard training and then a recovery block. And again, we've applied this to all our athletes for the next three weeks and we're going to reassess on a daily and a weekly basis. So... I'm going to read you out some of the some of the things I've written to my athletes and see if this resonates with you. We've put the aim of the training in this week is to give you daily exercise with structure that will not impact your immune system. To help protect your immune system, we're going to limit exercise to a maximum of 60 minutes per day and a steady perception of effort. We don't want anyone going hard or long at all. Okay, and we've got some general rules for our athletes here. If you're feeling any signs of illness, cough, cold or raised temperature, do not train. During this period, limit your training to 60 minutes per day total. We're always going to have a recovery day each week, either total rest or a 30 minute, very easy recovery ride. If you're also going to do strength and conditioning and yoga, do it on the days when you've got a shorter run scheduled. So I've got a couple of runs in the week that are 30 or 45 minutes. So your total training time doesn't exceed 60 minutes. No HIIT type sessions. I'm advising my athletes to do your rides indoors during this period. And I'm advising athletes to stay out of the pool entirely during this period. Now, those last two 
those last two points there, I'll tell you my reasoning behind it. We're entering a time when there's going to be a lot of stress and strain on the NHS and the medical services. And I think if we can reduce the risk of people having bike crashes and needing to go to hospital, that can only be a good thing, right? I'm advising people to stay out of the pool for two reasons. Firstly, we know it's not uncommon for people to pick up bugs when they go to the pool. And secondly, with the whole social distancing thing that's going out, I want to try as much as we can to keep people away from the idea of traveling to places to do stuff where you're going to potentially be mixing with tens, dozens, twenties, hundreds of people who have come from different places. Now, by the time you hear this, it might be actually that all gyms and pools have been closed. But at the moment, that isn't the case, certainly here in the UK. I know from athletes around the world, there are some places where pools are already completely closed. Okay. So for swimming type stuff, stretch cord work, that's fine, but stay out of the water. Okay. Um, we're going to reassess this on an ongoing basis. As I said, things are changing fast and it might be that in a week's time or two weeks time, the advice I've given you here is out of date and I'll deal with that as we go along. But I'm hoping what this is going to do with our listeners is it's going to raise in your consciousness the idea that doing things as normal isn't the best way through things at the moment. Just driving ahead with going to a spin class because it's what you've always done. That isn't the best thing to do right now. Even doing high intensity work on the turbo on your own isn't the best thing that you can do right now. Now, I recognize that there's a mental aspect to this. I recognize we need to feel that we've done some hard work to feel better about ourselves or feel better about our mood. I'm honestly advising you at this time, try and limit yourself to the amount of higher intensity work you do to those guidelines I've given you because your immune system is going to be more important. And I think with an hour's worth of steady exercise a day, don't forget that's still seven or six and a half hours worth of exercise every week. If if people did that week in, week out, that is still plenty of exercise. If it turns out that races in the summer are not cancelled and you've trained for six or seven hours a week for two or three or four or six weeks or whatever it turns out to be, if you've consistently done that training, what we've done is like a traditional base building period anyway. And that is going to have a positive effect towards building your fitness if your mind needs to hear that right now. But again, I don't think that that's the important thing for you right now. I think we've all got to shift to thinking we're going to preserve and promote our immune system so we don't pick up any bugs wherever possible, so we don't pass on any bugs or, God forbid, COVID-19 to any other vulnerable members of our family or society. Okay. Now, we've got some other stuff we wrote here, and I'm going to read some of this out to you that you know, we had some pushback from our athletes in the group. The vast majority were on board immediately and said, yes, I understand. We had about 10% of our athletes said um, words to the effect of, I don't like the fact that I wasn't given a choice in this because if I was given a choice, I'd have kept my old training plan because I either believe my event is still going to happen and I want to keep training towards it or I believe that I'm an adult and I should be allowed to make my own decision. So this is our reply to, to those people. I've said, first and foremost, and most importantly, we've got a duty and responsibility to do everything we can to keep you fit, healthy and safe. And actually, we could swap that around and say, my duty is to keep you safe, healthy and fit in that order aside from the fact it's pretty safe to assume there'll be no races going forward for at least the next three or four months our role is still to get athletes as race fit and race ready as possible 
if we look at it through that lens. And in the current global situation, the steps we're going to do to achieve that are exactly what we've done. We're giving you everything that your body can absorb through this new lens of we're not going to compromise anyone's immune systems. Okay, we're going to keep you healthy. We're going to keep you active and as triathlon fit as possible. And it may not be in the way you expect when thinking about traditional training, but that doesn't mean it's not right. And more to the point, it's no longer the old context is no longer the context we're operating in. All of the usual old rules have been suspended and we've got a whole new blank canvas in front of us. Okay, for us or me to suggest in any way, directly or indirectly, to enable anything other than this is at best irresponsible and at worst dangerous. And to you, your families, your wider community, we want to promote health in you, your families, and society in general as much as possible. Okay, so I would really start to question, and I know other people are going to have different opinions on this, I would really encourage you to see this through the lens of how do we best keep you and your loved ones safe in this time of tremendous upheaval, okay? We've read all the science that we think is out there that supports this. Um, I've done that so that, not so that you don't have to, I encourage you to go out there and do that. And like I said, I'm going to post a link to the articles that I've read here as well for you to make your own assessments and judgments of it. Um, And I encourage that kind of healthy discussion, but please at least start thinking about whether it's in your best interest to do what you've always done or to completely change what you've done before it's mandated or forced upon us by government or legality or whatever. Okay. Now we're at the moment ambitiously working on a short-term basis. I'm talking about the next three weeks with the athletes I work with, and we're going to review as things change. Okay. But not going to say sorry for this. I'm going to assure you that whatever changes you make in the future, whatever advice I give you in the future, it's driven by sort of my desire and responsibility to keep you safe and healthy as well as fit. Okay, so I'm aware that this is, it feels heavy. It feels a big thing to go on the, ra- you know, to go on the radio, to go on a podcast and say, I'm aware of feeling responsibility to kind of keep the show going week in and week out and maintain normality for people. Um, but I think it's important to to put this out there to our wider listenership to really say, look, things have changed. Really consider what would happen to you if you had a crash on your bike when you were out riding and you broke your leg in a week's time, you got to hospital to find that there are no you know, there's no A&E doctors there. Let's all do everything that we can to think about wider society, not just to think about our own fitness. That brings us to the end of today's show, everybody. So listen, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, precisionhydration.com. Use the code oxygenaddict15. Athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygenaddict for the Athletic Greens supplements. You can use the code oxygenaddict50 at thriver.co to get 50% off your first test. And remember, there's links in the show notes for all of these sponsors so you don't have to remember them. And again, I'm really thankful to these guys for continuing to sponsor the show. I know there's an awful lot of people have got financial worries at the time and the fact that these guys have reiterated that they're going to keep continuing the show for the foreseeable is really appreciated by me um so listen until next week have a great safe training and racing week i wish you and your families all the best good health i'm coach rob wilby and you've been listening to the oxygen podcast 